Welcome to episode number five of Retail Initiative, the podcast for retail entrepreneurs to learn, grow, and be inspired by retail experts and other retailers just like you. Today is a super cool episode. It's with my business partner, Dana. Um, Dana has been doing inventory planning for years. Before that, she's worked with huge names like Tootsie's, which is a huge name here in Houston, um, and Neiman Marcus and a few others um, in her rich background in retail. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, um, I can be ADD and I can have my mind all over the place. And one of the things that we get so many phone calls about is people that are interested in opening a retail business and they're curious, like, is this viable? Is this a good idea? Is this something that can be successful? And I know that that's a question that um, if you're listening to this, you might be in that research phase where you were just devouring every bit of content that you can. So this episode, we want to give you some key pointers on one, what should you think about before you open a retail business? And then if you're gonna get started, what are just some small things that you can do to set yourself up for success as you grow? I think that you're gonna love today's episode. So let's just get right into it and I'll see you next time. So thanks for joining us today. Today we have Dana with us. Um, Dana is going to be joining us quite a bit, so I think you'll start hearing from her more. She'll be joining me some, for some of our interviews and a lot of our what would be solo episodes. Uh, Dana's going to be joining. Um, you know, we've already shared some about what she does and why she's here, um, but she's going to be working on some of the online content and our courses and some of the resources that we provide to help you grow your business. Um, but today, what I want to ch- chat about is uh, this morning I had coffee with a friend uh, who's thinking about opening a store and she asked she, you know she's wanting to do the kind of what's become the normal you know start online and then potentially open up a brick and mortar space if she can find the right one um, and she asked my opinion on well, like what do you think about brick and mortar and you know as someone who works with brick and mortar retailers you know I want to say like yes big fan that's an obvious yes but I think it's more nuanced. So that's what I want to chat about today. I agree. Big fan, but there's a lot to it. Yes. I think that's an <laughs> understatement. Um, and, and so why don't, we, why don't we just dive right in? So I guess let's talk about two, two angles. Let's chat about, first off, should you do the, like, get your, get toe, your toe in, in the water with e-commerce? And then second, should that person open a store or not? Or should they open a store first? What's your opinion? So first, let's talk about the putting your toe in the water with with e-commerce why or why not i'm about to sound like my own oxymoron because i think it makes sense in some aspects of pulling in and trying to figure out was this the right thing for me and having an online store i think a lot of newbies if you will forget that they need inventory so are they going to have space in their garage are they going to rent you know where where's that inventory going to sit where where are they going to ship from what are they going to do are they going to get an office started like they need to kind of think that while an e-commerce site for product is a great idea, where's it coming from? Do you want to start at home and then you want to find the right retail space and grow into that? But what do you want to do? I don't think brick and mortar is going anywhere. I think the Amazons of the world might change things, but we still need brick and mortar. So I wouldn't say no out of the gates. I'm a big fan. That's where we've both been quite successful in helping retailers and getting them to be where they need to be. But I think that if you're going to dip your toe in the water, there's some facts that we got to focus on too. You know? Yeah, I think one of the 
the problems that I see with people that dip their toe in is they normally think like, oh, I can put as little as possible into this. And I just don't think that when you're trying to build a brand... It's not you, a good attitude to start with. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> Sorry. You, no, you have to, yeah, you have to start. You have to start with a legitimate online presence. And that means that like, dipping your toe in only means that you're not paying for a full build out in a full store, but you are paying for a full build out in a full store online. Totally. And so it's cheaper, but if you did not unless you have very good design skills, which most people don't, me included, you know, we have Michael, but, um, <laughs> thank God for Michael. <laughs> um, but other than that, if you don't have those skills, you really have to invest in, you're investing either way. Exactly. Without a shadow of a doubt. And the design only, if anything to build trust, because people are going to visit your site that you bought the $30 Shopify theme and you did the bare minimum and you took photos with your phone, which phone photos can be good if you have the right skills. Totally. But I don't, I don't. Um, and so, um, if you try to do that, at the end of the day, like someone's going to visit the site and think, like, do you have these products? Well, and I think that to say they're visiting the site now with anything that we buy in stores, wherever we are, we run the risk of someone doing that research ahead of time. Like as a retailer, you need to do your research because as consumers, we're all doing our research. Mm -hmm. So when they go to your website, are they going to be, you know, not necessarily impressed by your store, air quote. But are they going to see, are they going to learn what they want to learn about your store and what you're selling? And is it that you slapped it up there and they saw it? Or did you take the time and invest? And I'm not telling the, telling you the idea that investment has to be this ridiculous number for the finest of fine websites. But there's a fine line between, oh, I can just buy this on Shopify or I can get it in another on another platform versus I can go and pay someone to build it exactly how I want to build it. And then you have to remember that there's copy and there's photos and there's photography and there's photos and photography while they sound the same. You can do there's like you said, you can take it with your phone or you can pay someone to do it in a studio. And then do you have the product? Do you have the product when they order it? Is it back ordered? Can you ship overnight? Like there's a lot of details that go into just building a website. Sure. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, I talk about like, do you actually have the items? I think that's almost like the foundation of is first, like you build it a legit site just to build trust. You are a real business. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah. It's like the pre-thought. Like it's, right. it's not even about, is someone even going to buy from you yet? Are we, are we creating the presence that they're going to want to build and then actually purchase from? It's the thought that has to be there. Like you just, you know it, you know, when you see it. You go to a website and some of them you can tell like, that's a real business. I'm going to order it. And there's someone whose job it is to see that order and fulfill it. Right. And it, it's almost a test in some ways. Like mm -hmm. I see it as legitimate business. They've got what I need. I'm going to try it. Let's go for it. Yeah. And then once that's done as like a pre-thought, then you have the things you actually need to think about, which is your product photography, the copy you have on your website, how your store navigates, all these things. Right. And I agree, like this doesn't have to be something absurd and crazy, but getting but a professional needs to be designer. A professional legit business. Yes. It's not just a hobby. I'm not a hobbyist that suddenly wants to have a pet store and I'm going to go buy a bunch of stuff at a, at a market or I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff off Amazon or wherever it is and then I'm going to throw it up on my website. There's so much more than just. I want a website I and mean, I want an e-commerce site, you know, I mean, you can, you can throw it up there, but then people are going to see that you've thrown it up there. Yeah. And I don't, not to intimidate people because we, of course not. Yeah. Because there are, you know, if it's Shopify, there's the experts page and you can find really affordable 
options. It just gives you that slight oomph to get you from something you threw together yourself to something that's professional. A lot of times it can be really small touches to a site that, that make the difference from thrown together in a legitimate e-commerce business. So I think that's the, when we say you can't just dip your toe in, I would say it's more around the design front. Um, I don't know if you and I agree on this, but like even from the inventory side, like I think if you're going to pick one, invest in the design of your website and get just enough of the right product. I don't think you have to go and spend like thousands and thousands at market. No, I, I don't know that I think you have to spend an obscene amount at market to have the right amount of inventory. I think that the idea, especially with dipping your toe in, is to start small. You want to grow the business. If you're dipping your toe in, you want to get the right platform. You want to have the right aesthetics. You want to make it to where when they come, it's easy to navigate. When they come to see what product you have, you have the product that you said you were going to have. Nobody upon nobody likes going to a website and having a whole bunch of not available or sold out or, you know, back ordered for two months. Like nobody wants that. But at the same time, you, if you're trying to sell microphone widgets, you should have microphone widgets at the very least. I don't think you have to overspend and I don't think you have to over, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of not over inventorying yourself or not being overstocked, but I think that you have to be very, pay very close attention to what you do want to, to show the, the people that you have and to show the people that you're good at having and good at having it in stock and getting it out the door and it's packaged correctly and it's photographed right and yeah. it lands to them when they need it by. Yeah. And I think it depends on the, the kind of business, you know, if you're if you're selling stuff that you're competing with Amazon, then you do kind of, which I, uh, why? Well, I know that's a bad idea. Bad idea, folks. Don't compete with Amazon. Don't do that. Do not start that as dipping your toe in the water. Let's take that later on in life. So, so then we're, we're stuck with niches, right? So you could, you know, have your women's boutique and sell cute dresses and you're known for your cute dresses or, right. or your cute stuff, whatever that is. Then you need to have enough that, that someone can get an get an idea for the feel and look of the of your brand, and essentially be able to put a few outfits together based right. on what you see. Ideally, yes. Um, or if a pet store, like you need to be good at something. But if you're opening your pet store online, and you're, you know, of course you've differentiated yourself from Amazon, but you also like need to be good at beds, or you need to be good at organic treats that have been like blessed by a rabbi or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what those things would be, um, but you need to be good at that. If that's the niche one of y'all is looking for, footnote Josh, please. I want, I want credit <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, but I think that the the big takeaway here is like dipping your toe in and in regards to like a, just a complete minimum, minimal investment. You know, if you're a part of like any entrepreneurial Facebook groups, like I see it all the time, like someone who, you know, put a, a terrible website together. They put like $10 in Facebook ads and then they're like, Oh, this doesn't work. I'm going to close it down. And it's like in actual retail. And I'm not talking about drop shipping or any yeah. of that. That's a totally different world. But in like the kind of retailer that I think is listening to this, know that like it's hard to do that. I think your best bet, if you really wanted to just dip a toe in, might be to utilize, utilize like a personal network and do something like pop-up events. That's a good start. Yeah, I think that's a much easier. Like, is this a viable thing? Throw a party. Go. Do, do people want what I'm selling? Do if yeah. the people that can feel and touch and see, can you get them in a house in your 
in your world, in your house, somewhere where they can look and touch and see and feel. And then if that's the case, then you kind of can grow and invest the money in building the website and invest the money in making sure that you can get it shipped out on time. And the fact that the UPS guy is going to be knocking on your back door every day, because that's what happens. He comes by to pick up and he comes by to drop off and you're constantly ordering and you're constantly putting in, which kind of goes back to the initial thought process of what does someone want and how do they want to dip their toe in? I think that neither business is out the door. The Amazons of the world are here to stay and there's room for everybody in the sandbox. And I think that's, but it's just a matter of how you're going to present yourself, Sure. how you're going to put yourself out there. And I think that opening a brick and mortar store is a lot of money and a lot of work and it can be extremely successful if you have all the right things in place and you have to be prepared for that. And opening an online store can also be an investment and it's, it, it is, is yeah. an investment. So I think that you have to pay attention to what you want to be when you grow up too. One hundred percent, and and that's why I really push, you know, the pop up idea. I think is the easiest way to get an idea of if your minimum viable product is going to work. Get your friends, get your family, work with a local retail store, and say like, "Hey, can I throw a party? I'll bring the booze, and have just enough stuff, and and even give like pre orders or whatever." Is this something that can work? And if you get a good response, then maybe it's worth pouring the money into the website. And if you don't, then maybe it's not. So transitioning, let's chat about brick and mortar. And you you started to hint at that. And the idea of, is that still a good idea for an independent retailer? Or could they be equally as successful online only? Well, I think we both know that you can be equally, if not more so successful online only from different cases. But I think that brick and mortar... How do I say? I think brick and mortar is something that is everyone's going to want to see and feel and touch everyone. That's always going to be the case. There's on that flip side, there's always going to be the people that just order it online and ship it back. It is not my strength. I'll be the first person to tell you it is not my strength to order something and make sure it goes back within 24 hours. I will get it back, but I have to pay real close attention to getting it to wherever I, you know, to getting it back out the door. I may take me an extra day to try it on. Whatever. I just seem Uh to have too many things on my plate to make it always happen in time. But I think that there are people that that's their, they always order online. They always ship it back in time. They're just, that is their gig. They order Mm -hmm. and they ship and they order and they return and they're totally fine. There's always going to be people that want to see and feel and touch and try it on before they spend the money. They don't want to take the time to have to take it and ship it back Mm -hmm. to pay for the extra shipping. They'd rather walk into a store, try a hundred outfits on and then leave with what works best. Some people shop when they want to shop. They, they can shop in the middle of the night if they want to order it online or they can shop in a store where they've had the option of seeing and feeling and touching and trying on and going from there. Yeah. I think what we're, what I'm seeing in brick and mortar is you're thinking through like, is that move really the best idea for my business is like, what's the trend going on? Of course, like nationally or globally, but nationally and then in your community. So like in Houston, Texas, where we are right now. Um, and I think across most metropolitan areas in the city or in the, in the country, I think we're seeing like a big chasm where high end retail is doing great. True. And low end is doing great. So like Nordstrom and Neiman's and Barney's are, are doing fine. Uh, Nordstrom, I know that I was going to say great is a stretch, great, but they're okay. But they're, but they're pivoting and they're, they're doing some things that are working. And I think among independent retail, we're really seeing like high end retail is not suffering. No. And this whole shop local thing is working for a lot of independent retailers. Mm-hmm. And then I think on the low end, like TJ Maxx, 
they're doing fine. And even among independent retailers, kind of like fast fashion type stuff, like the local versions of Forever 21, right. they're doing fine also. What we're seeing a big suffering in is that like middle end, like think the Gap or Francesca's type yeah. retailer. They're, they're really suffering. And so I think like the first question I would ask is, um, like who is your market right now in your city? And is that person doing most of their buying on Amazon or online or are they visiting physical stores? And so, um, like the person I had coffee with this morning, she's wanting to open a baby store in Houston, Texas and in a particular neighborhood. I don't want to give away all of her stuff right now. Um, but in an area where that's just not a prominent thing, but her market's relatively high end. And I think that person is visiting a store to shop for their kid. And so for her, I do think it's a really good move. But if I were selling like. Well, and to, just to stop you for one second to go on that for the baby market, you also have the um, grandmother, if you will, that's mm-hmm. doing a lot of that buying, especially in independent retailers and in boutiques. And those people, I say those people, the grandmothers of the world are really willing to spend. And generationally, they go into stores yeah. more than they wait for. They fight the computer, if you to use a term my mother uses, rather than fight the computer to make sure that it's all what she needs it to be. They'll go, they'd rather just drive to the store, go in, look, see, feel, touch. And they probably buy more than if they were just looking online and they needed for one sure. thing. So I think that for what the example of this morning with your coffee, it makes sense for her to go to a brick and mortar concept if she's got the money, the space is the right space, you know, she can figure mm-hmm. out vendors, whatnot. I think that knowing in any brick and mortar business, knowing your personality and knowing what you want to be. While that may change with time, as with all of us, I think that's the most important part. Like, what's your end goal of what you want to be? And do you fit the mold of the area that you're looking to be a brick and mortar in? Yeah, 100%. And it's, especially like in an urban environment, it is getting harder if you aren't high-end retail. Yeah. Because rent is just, it's gotten so expensive. Well, the majors are taking up a lot of the dollars in that area. <laughs> I think that independent retailers that can afford that rent and can be have a presence. And you don't need a lot of space to sell a lot. You don't need more. Mm-hmm. More stuff doesn't mean more dollars for any retailer necessarily. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to be in the right spot at the right, you know, in the right location with the right foot traffic, as well as making people want you to be their destination are right there. And yeah. they, they know where to find you. Now, you know where I really do see brick and mortar really making a strong comeback is in like rural, rural, I can never say that word, right? And, rural. And I didn't think I said it right there. You didn't, um, <laughs> but <laughs> not in urban environments. And, and I think we're starting to see, especially in areas that are like, you know, like Fredericksburg, Texas, or Highlands, North Carolina, or gosh, like the college stations, of the, the college world, station larger in Madison, using, Wisconsin. Yeah. I, mean, I know that's, that's kind of a big town, but like college town type places, you're seeing like a huge resurgence of brick and mortar retail and not just in like the typical touristy stuff. But I think that there is, if you have a town that's enough of a population um, that can support it, like especially like in the boutique world, you're seeing these people become like the only shopping outlet. Right. And so what for, especially for apparel, um, for baby, for women's, for men's, or a combination of them. I think that that's such an, a great... Even it, home, a little bit of that. For sure, home. 
Gosh, yeah. Home. Kitchen, home. I mean, they'll... And I think to, to kind of peel off what you're saying, I think one of the big things too that happens is that these smaller towns, and I'm not knocking a small town. I grew up in Texas. I, I understand small towns pretty well, but the smaller towns of the world, for a long time, they wanted to go to the big city to go shopping. So they could say, I bought this in Houston. I bought this in Dallas. I bought this in New York. I bought this in LA. I bought it in Atlanta. But now they can still buy the things in the bigger cities, but they want to be able to say, I'm going out on a date night with my husband. I'm going, I have a date. I'm going to a baby shower. I'm going here. I'm going there. I have places to go and things I need. Can I just drive down main street and get something cool that I wasn't able to get before or queen of the last minute? Like they maybe they didn't order it in time. Maybe they're not Amazon prime and maybe they're not those things that I think make it a lot easier for this resurgence to sort of happen. Yeah, I think, it, you know, especially like in small towns, the important thing is knowing like who is your demographic in that town? Can it support a full business? Can it, can you create a brand where like you're the go-to for that spot? So if it's home interior stuff, can you be like the one place right. that if you're an interior designer in that town, like it's likely where you're going or if you're putting together a cute house, if, you know, interior design may not be like the thing there. Um, but you're just doing it yourself, which is great. Like you're the one stop for right. it or an apparel or whatever. Even if it's just cute kitchen towels, if it's something as simple as home interiors that are giftable interiors mm-hmm. or home interiors that are pillows and, and towels and kitchen utensils and kind of playing it. I think that one thing that I have found with small towns and smaller retailers are people trying to grow themselves into a retail business. And I say this a lot is that they don't know their personality. So they started out as an apparel store that sold a bunch of dresses and then maybe they got pregnant. So now they've got baby stuff because they could buy it at market and they knew that their friends needed stuff. So now they have baby stuff. And then at the same time they're building a new house. So they've got apparel, women's apparel, baby stuff. And now we have a whole bunch of kitchen utensils. And I think that that's a weird, it's, it's great to grow and to have certain mm-hmm. things that you need, but remembering who you were and why you started because the people that used to come to you for dresses, Maybe you slowed down your dress buy because your budget's only able, you know, enabling you to buy a certain amount. So now you're still buying baby and dresses and kitchen utensils and maybe you picked up some pillows and suddenly you're carrying a whole bunch of stuff and not enough of any of it. Yeah, I think that's something we could do (laughs) an entire other episode on is is when to adjust your brand and when to stay on. Um, But I think, you know, getting back to just the, the simple question of I have this idea and should I actually open a store? Should I just do this online? And is it worth it? And I, I still think it comes back to in your community, is there a market that can, can support what you're wanting? And is that person shopping in a physical store? And I think if you're doing and you're in a city and you're talking about high end something or other, then I think the answer is yes. If, if you're talking about, you know, we even go back to home stuff. If we're talking about middle of the road art or pillows or, whatever, I I think that's going to be an area that you're going to struggle to compete with Amazon. Totally. I think that, and again, like I'm sticking to the concept of brick and mortar. I think another person to really do your research and to go is if you have this grand idea of what you want to be and how you want to have a retail business, whether it's online or brick and mortar is find a good commercial real estate person. Oh my gosh. And that is something I think a lot of people overlook. They go, oh, I got a guy. One of their friends has a guy and they use the guy and they don't even know if the guy knows. But they have so much trend research, the good ones, so much trend research. They know what people are looking for. They know what they need, how many apartment buildings or condos or townhouses are going up. They have all of that information. 
And I think when you're trying to decide where to put a brick and mortar and if it's going to work, that is key information that a lot of people forget they need. 100%. (laughs) Getting the right space and and the right and that's Everything. online or brick and mortar. Having the right space is so, is vital. For sure, yeah. It's I, I can't speak to how important that is. And I think to add on to that, gosh, I mean, we could do and ten we other will, episodes on this get stuff. Excited. We will we'll get there. <laughs> um, but is understanding how expensive it is. Like if you think that it's just not like whatever that number is you have in your mind. Honestly, you could probably double it, and then understand that it's you're not going to make anything for a year after that. Not literally that, but it's not going to be paying for itself right. within a year. It and not necessarily. And I think that you have to, you have to be open to spending money to make money. You have to be logical in what you spend and you have to do your homework. And I think that mm-hmm. so many people say, I'm really good at shopping. I know there's this void. I know I need this. I should open X, Y, Z. Yeah. And while that's an excellent starting place, there's a lot of homework and research that goes into it. And I think that what we're both saying as far as whether it's online or brick and mortar, it I don't I don't care what you start, but I think that you have to have the facts to back up what you're doing. Whether you're gonna dip your toe in the online or you're gonna dip your toe, which is real expensive, to dip your toe in a brick and mortar, whatever you're gonna do, I think that Josh's concept of the pop up to figure out what's there, talking to the real, the commercial real estate people, figuring out what your town needs, whether you're a big town or a little town. It doesn't I mean there's a resurgence in smaller towns, but at the same time, big towns have people that drive around for hours. And there's also those people in high traffic areas and they see a place that they can stop at and maybe kill some time. But instead of sitting in a car, they'll pull over and they might just shop to shop or they might try on or they might come back later on and say, I need you now, whatever it might be. So I think that you can do either one. You just need to do the homework at the end of the day. Yeah, so I want to get back to doing your homework and the the, the things that, you know, if you're thinking about opening a store, like first off, evaluating, like, is it right for your area? Which I, I said, at least in my opinion, is your customer that you're buying for actually visiting brick and mortar stores? Right. Um, is the community have that need and so on and so forth, which if you're listening to this, you probably are convinced that it does. So now the question is, <laughs> is it viable? Um, is it viable? Which I think depends on the, the area that you're going to and then the person that you're wanting to come in the business. But, you know, I brought up the expense piece of it. And I think you, you and I may land on different areas here is like how much to expect going in and then how long it should be until you're making money. I think depending on what you're doing, it varies, right? Depending on what sure. kind of store, depending on how we're doing it. I mean, it's an investment. There may be a time where you, while you might be ideally making money, you're just dumping it back in to keep that cash yeah. flow train working for a little while. I know that um, when opening a store, I mean, we definitely incorporate debt and paying back and paying yourself into the system so that at some point in a, on the earlier side of things, if not, you yeah. know, you're giving yourself something back. But I think that it is an expense. I mean, it's definitely, it's going to cost you to get this thing started. I don't think it's, I'm not saying you're going to go to the poorhouse starting it, but you have to do your homework. That's why I'm so adamant about, let's figure out our break-even point. Let's figure out what we need to know before we go. Because if it's going to be, if your outgo exceeds your income, you know, your upkeep's going to be your downfall, which is just basically saying, don't spend more than you make, you know, I mean, sure. at the end of the day. So I think that it's important for us to keep watch on, 
what the expense is and when we can start seeing some mm-hmm. cash, you know, when we can start seeing that cash come back. And if you're online, how are you going to get the people to find your online store? And if you're brick and mortar, how are you going to get the people to walk in? Because yep. just because you build it doesn't necessarily mean they'll come. You have to really get the word out to get them in the door. Yeah. And I think if, if we're honest and this, this really applies to all business is there are things that you're good at and there's things that you're not. Every and, single one of us. And every one of us, let's say there's 10 things that it takes to survive in retail and you have to be a good buyer and you have to be good with money and you have to be good managing people and you have to be good at interior design and merchandising and blah, 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 Visuals, like et cetera, et cetera, you et cetera. name it. And the, the areas where you are not good takes resources. And so if you are not good at operations, that means you probably need a consultant to come in and teach you how to do purchase orders correctly. And you need to learn retail operations. So you down the road, you aren't, you know, needing to know how much denim right. you sold and having no way to know that because you didn't do anything to say that something was denim. Or if you aren't good with technology, you probably need an IT company to come in and set up your iPad or your computer for you. Or if you aren't your good... Your printer. I mean, your You name it. Anything. There's the... And those things get expensive. So I think honestly assessing what you're good at and what you're not. If you are good at interior design, then great. Don't hire a firm to create the experience of your store because you're going to do a great job. But if you aren't, like if your home isn't awesome, people won't walk into your house and be like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You probably need to hire a firm to create the experience of your store. And I think that's where we start to get into why I say take that cost and double it right. um, because it's everything. It's just like, like planning a wedding. Like it's just so much more expensive than you think. And everything that you buy, whether it's fixtures or apparel or gifts or a printer or a POS system, everything that you buy has got middle of the road, low end, high end. Mm-hmm. What do you need? Do you need the high end on everything? Absolutely not. Can you get away with the low end on everything with no way, no how? Can you ride middle on all the stuff? Probably not because there's some stuff that you're really going to want to put the money in and make sure it works and get the consultant to help you with it. And some of it you absolutely could. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like there's, you're going to have low, middle and high from every aspect of your business. Like it's what you need for what you're doing. And I think that that what you need for what your strengths are, you know, like you use the, if you have good interiors, like merchandising should be fairly easy for you. You don't need someone to necessarily help with merchandising. Even if you look at online merchandising, like what is the flow that they need to see aesthetically when they go and they click through or the navigating or how they're playing. Like, I think that it's something that every one of us, you need to know what works for you and what you're good at. And there is no shame in that game mm-hmm. than to admit what you're not good at. Cause totally. Lord knows we can't do it all. Not every, not no one can do every little aspect and do it perfect. That's just impossible. Yeah. 100%. And, and I, if you can, I'd like to meet you. So ha- call us. Yeah. But I think, you know, shameless plug here, the resources that we have online, right. retailinitiative.com, um, the resources that we have kind of are designed to help there. Um, making those guides of, like, hey, this is the point of sale systems that are out there. Here right. is high and middle and low. And which one should you be getting? And and because in some situations, that low end thing might work for a particular business. And in, and in others, the high end is just going to be super excessive. Right. And, you know. And that's, you know, I mean, I think that we've got high, middle and low. And I think it kind of goes to like what you really need and, and knowing and figuring out and working. While well, I'll say, you know, again, shamelessly, like working with us 
working with someone to know what's best for your business and to know what you need based on your strengths and weaknesses. Because while all of us can tell you I'm good at A and I'm bad at B, if I'm, if I know I'm bad at something, I also don't know the best way to get what I need for it. Yeah. You know, like I have an idea of what I can spend. I have an idea of what I like. I, I know myself, but I also need to know what's out there for me and what are the rankings of how I can get it, you, yeah. know, you know? But I think to get inspirational here, because it sounds like in a way we're talking, like we're scaring you out well, of I a don't. brick and mortar store. And, but I would, I would, I would try to scare you out of a brick and mortar store because it is expensive it's going to cost way more than you think. It's going to be way harder than you think, especially if you think, and I'm about to get nice. It is. I'm standing here waiting to get nice. For, so everybody just hold on, hear him out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's more expensive. It's harder. And I think a common one that I'll have to address and then we'll move to the nice stuff is if you think that this is going to be the thing that enables you to travel or spend time away. Like I've worked with hundreds of retailers now and I've never met one who within the first two years of being open wasn't constantly at the store that succeeded. I agree with that. If I called and I knew, like there's just those people, I call the store and I know they're not going to be there. 100% of the time, going out of business. And maybe, maybe not 100, but that right. I've I mean, he seen, just saw my face. So that's why he said maybe not 100. But, I do, think that, <laughs> but I do think that being... It is work. And I, I've talked to some people and I actually talked to some um, ladies recently, just a tangent off you for a hot minute, that two women wanted to open a store, have always been good shoppers, air quotes, have children that are starting their next phase of life, meaning they're moving on to college. Things are changing for them at home. They stayed home to raise their children. They had jobs before. They'd like to get back into something. And they came to me talking about opening a mm -hmm. new store. And the one thing I said was that's, amazing. I am happy to sit down with you and break it all down, but your homework tonight and for the next week is to figure out, do you want to have a third child? Do suddenly you want to have yeah. a third child that's going to be a crying infant that needs your constant attention. And that's the only way to describe it because yeah. you literally are in the store all the time and you are trying to figure out what your clients need and do you have the right stuff and re-merchandising and getting it in the right place. And to go off what Josh is saying, it's hard. And it's, it's, it's kind of ugly and it's real dirty and you're taking out the trash and, and managing you're not, people so hard, you're managing people <laughs> and you are not above anything. Like you are in it, you're in the sandbox and you're digging to China. I mean, you are yeah. in it. And I think that that's where, that's the reality. Do you want to be, do you want to get nitty gritty and do you want to get down and dirty with it? And do you want to be part of it all the time? Because you're right. If you're not going to be in the store and you have one year where you have given it your all and you're in the store and you're always there and you're always, it's always on your mind. And it's something that you're always boom, boom, boom. It's just constantly right in front of you sitting on your shoulder and weighing it down. It's that it's that. Yeah. But if you, if the next year you've had lots of success in that year one and you're suddenly like living a little bit life, a little easier, you're breathing a little easier, you're sleeping a little easier. Life is good. And so suddenly you start, traveling a whole bunch and suddenly you just left it to your managers and or your manager and you've left it to your salespeople and then salespeople keep overturning and the merchandise isn't there when it needs to be because you've stopped paying attention to it you're going to see the change you're going to see the drop yeah. and that's why like you need to get into that groove of being aware that you're going to be just like josh said it is right there it is yours mm -hmm. and you are in it and while i have not seen a hundred percent going out of business, which is what got me to start talking. I do think that it is very blatantly a change. You will see this. You will see it drop. You will see sales drop. You will see foot traffic drop. You will see 
you know, a change in your business. And that's not the change we want, especially in the first five years. Yeah. And, and when I say like the, the owner that I'm talking about is the one that six months in I call and they're never there. Right Now that doesn't mean that you have to always be there. It just means like there are, there are retail owners that become removed from their store, which at a certain level is fine. Like the idea of working on instead of in is, is legitimate. And I, I understand that, especially for an established retailer who's focused primarily on buying and they're, they don't have to worry as much about customer service or the, the, the nitty gritty of their, of their business. But for a single location, brand new store, it should be normal that you should expect to be their most business hours for that first year. And then, And then you can probably start to step away and work on instead of in a little bit later. But at first, like you need to be there. Um, now, to get to where I said I'd be nice, today is such an interesting era where you know, you're hearing about like retail apocalypse and all this. And retail is certainly changing. Um, but if I had to like pick any time ever to be in brick and mortar retail, I honestly would pick today. It's so fun. It's fun. It is like, first off, the tools that are available to a brick and mortar independent retailer, the stuff that you can do, the data that you can see that, and not even like, you know, when some people say data, like I picture like data makes me nervous. I'm not like those, like, like those see through screens screens and like movies and like, you know, Matt Damon, like looking at something from behind and will and goodwill hunting. And it's just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's going yeah. Up on the screen, all the numbers. Yeah. And it looks like that. Like, and all of a sudden you're supposed to like pick out the things and like ones and zeros or whatever. Like, no, not that at all. I mean like palatable given to you metrics of like, here's your open to buy on this particular group based on this turn level and this markup and maintain markup, whatever that is, and that you're just given an end number with a little bit of explanation that lets you know how you got there, and that there are tools out there that they give that to you directly from stuff in your point of sale, and that you didn't have to like mess with Excel a bunch. The fact that the, that tool exists, the fact that on Shopify or Big Commerce or Lightspeed Ecom, that you can create a website that 10 years ago would have been $25,000 to right. develop, because it would have had to be done from scratch. And now you start $15,000 into the design process just with the theme that you purchased. That you did not spend $15,000 to buy everybody. Exactly. <laughs> you, the tools that are available are incredible. And I think that you get such a leg up. But that also means that those tools are available to everyone. And so I think what the thing that separates is going to be that hustle is going to be that you take those tools and use that as a springboard or a springboard springboard POS is one. We did a <laughs> podcast with them also. If that's not out yet, then that's coming. If it's out, then you should go check that out. I talked with Alan from Springboard about their tools and the things that they have going on. But he just meant a springboard, like the ones you used to jump off of in elementary school. Yes. Did it, was it a trampoline? Did it help you go <laughs> higher or were you depending on it? And if it if it helped you take the heart, your hard work and magnified your hard work, then those tools can be phenomenal, but you can't put them on autopilot. And so I think for someone willing to put in the hard work today is the best time in history to open a retail business. There's a lot of tools that will make it significantly easier. And yet at the same time, it'll be some of the hardest work you do and you'll see great results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for listening today. Um, We will definitely be talking about this more. Um, I hope that if you are thinking about opening 
that retail business that first, if you're talking about, you know, dipping your toe with an online store, we're definitely in favor, like launch online. You can certainly do that. Just launch online, right? Work with someone professionally. Pay attention to the details. Know what you want. Do your homework. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't like do a lot of the setup yourself, but run it by someone that does this professionally and make sure that it's a legitimate website before you launch it. You don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face because you want to do it alone. No man is an island. Like ask for help because the truth is there's great resources that will help you figure out and that will help you in the end will save you money. will mm-hmm. save you from sinking and then figuring out a different route. Like we're here and we hope that you reach out. Yeah. And then for someone thinking about opening a brick and mortar store, you know, Again, I think the understanding your community, understanding your customer, and then understanding what it takes to get there. And is that viable? Can it be successful 150%? But it will be harder than what you think, even if you think it's going to be hard. Right. And hard is good, y'all. It's not a bad thing. No, it's hard just, work are is you, good. Are you willing? Do you have the time? Are you willing to give the time? Are you willing to have another kid? You know, like that's kind of what it comes down to. Are you doing it with a partner? Are y'all both willing to give up a little bit of, you know, to give a little bit of your personal time up and be there together and then be there apart? Yeah. I would say it's harder than a kid because a kid, like those first six weeks, you can take the happy hour and the... um, (laughs) I don't have any, so I can't say that I've been to happy hours. I can say I've been to happy hours with children. It's a third kid. The third kid, there's no more happy hours. Right. It's that. Anyway, we digress. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening today. Um, if you have not checked out our website, um, retailinitiative.com, we give you resources and tools to help you launch and grow a retail business um, and a Facebook community where you can connect with other independent retailers working as hard as you are. Um, so if you have not joined, please do. Um, again, subscribe to this podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.